Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Today is Thursday, May 27th, 2021. We've got a really good show for you today. We've got a fill-in for Gino Bacola. We're going to miss him, but he'll be back with us next week. Uh, one and only Pop DiBiase is with us today. What's going on? Feeling good, feeling great. Always a pleasure to be on your show, Mike. Absolutely, man. Psyched to have you on here. We're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff today and uh, looking forward to having a great show with you as always. Let's kind of get things rolling a little bit and uh, talk a little Dodger blue. I know that that's a uh, consistent theme on the show. Um, Gino is a big Dodger fan, obviously, so he presses us to talk about the Dodgers. But so are you, Pop. And they are deserving of a lot of airtime because it is, on paper at least, the best team in baseball. And it looks like what was maybe a three-team race between the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers, it kind of came down to earth a little bit uh, after the Dodgers kicked the Giants' ass. Let's start with that series, Pop. That was a complete domination. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, absolutely cold blooded what the Dodgers did to the Giants over the weekend. I think the Giants scored six runs to be exact. Was it six runs? I think Something they like lost two, one, like they lost two, one. I think they scored they, the most runs they scored was on Sunday, but the Dodgers were already up 10 zip by the third inning. And, uh, yeah, well, I, I think mean, the picture of the weekend was right. And I think Julio years, uh, is just submitting more and more that he has to be in the Cy Young talk for the National League as well, too. I think Julio is an excellent pitcher. Yeah, I can't. I just can't believe how good he's gotten since the final strike at the World Series. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and you know, we look. We heard about Julio from when he was. What, 19 years old? They brought him up really, really quickly into the majors. Maybe a little bit prematurely. He's had some um, arm issues, but I think we're now seeing what the hype was all about. It doesn't necessarily remind people of uh, Fernando Mania, necessarily, but I'll tell you what, this guy keeps doing what he's doing. He's going to get a lot of comparisons, both left-handed, you know, uh, both kind of have somewhat similar styles, uh, both obviously from the great country of Mexico. So a lot of comparisons there, but the Dodgers really laid the wood to the Giants. Now, got to give the Giants a little bit of credit, though, Pop, because they bounced back. Won two, they've won two in a row, seven out of their last ten, and they are within a game of the Dodgers uh, and a game out from the Padres. So they didn't – they folded against – the Dodgers, but they have not folded just in terms of like a monster losing streak. 
Right, and and that's what you like about this year's Giants. They're real gritty, but I think that they should, what occurred was was that the gap between the Dodgers and Giants is huge. Gavin Lux was the star of the weekend as well, too, having a grand slam Sunday, and that was the second one in like four days. As I told you on my show, though, Mike, I know the Dodgers very well, and when they play against the NL West, it's a dominant situation. The only team that ever gives them real issues, and this was before they had Tatis and Machado and all that, is the Padres. That's it, the Padres, because the Padres have the little uh, syndrome with the Dodgers. You know, they're always trying to impress the Dodgers. You know what I mean? The Giants and Dodgers are like two two neighbors that have been knowing each other for years. They respect each other, but they fight a lot. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, of course. <laughs> but, but they always get together on some great business scheme or something like that, as we know the story behind, uh, you know, the Giants going to San Francisco, the Dodgers going to L.A., you know, they that was a backroom deal between both those teams and the both those cities' mayors at the time as well, too. So the rivalry with the Giants is just so thick, and that's why I say to myself, Dodger fans, hold your breath because you swept them last weekend, but they're coming to the ravine, and they love sweeping. They love beating. You know, going against the odds here at the Ravine as well, too, because there's been plenty of times over the last few years where the Giants have came in as a notorious dog, say, plus 220, plus 230, plus 250, and they've pulled off one-run wins over the Dodgers, or they beat them just outright 6-3, 7-3, something of that nature. So you can't sleep on the Giants when they come to L.A. as well, too. But the Dodgers pretty much had to send the message to the rest of the league that, oh, we're back, and we're back in form right now. And you know what? Hey, we got a title to defend, and it's time. And, you know, uh, they got a nice split in Houston this week as well, too, even though they did lose last night. But the team that just won eight in a row. So the Dodgers have a lot to really, really bank on here coming here in the next uh, coming months because we know that they are boys of summer. That they are. That yeah. they are. You know, the Dodgers, win- winners of eight out of their last ten, uh, have been dominant at home. They've won 16 out of their 24 home dates. They're a little bit uh, more of a 500 team on the road. Have you identified anything? Is it just home cooking and a comfortable bed? Uh, because I remember, you know, in years past, there wasn't as big of a discrepancy. Always a good home team, but they've also been pretty good on the road, too. Is it just one of those things where... Um, they've it just timing wise, they were going through slumps during some of those road trips. And so the numbers don't look great right now, but by the time all is said and done, it'll even out balance out and it'll, they'll have, you know, like a five thirty win percentage on the road or something like that. What are your thoughts? I think that the Dodgers will be just fine on the road. I think what happens is the old complex of teams knowing that you're the world champion. So they're going to step it up just a little bit more for you. The Dodgers are now the modern-day Yankees in a sense. They, have, they haven't won consecutive titles, but they're so deep. You know what I mean? And when the Dodgers come out, you know who their players are. You know who their stars are. So when you can get, get, get a full house on, your, on the road team that comes in, you're going to play them much harder. So then your fans can have something to root for as well, too. You know what I mean? And I think that the old adage of beat L.A. is – is running very true in the MLB this season, just like it did in the NBA this year as well, too, for the Lakers. So 
I think that a lot of people just have to dodge your nation, you know, just chill. Everything is going to be all right because the Dodgers always figure out ways to sort this thing out. They got off to a hot start in April. They cooled off at the end of April. They may became kind of a fluctuating month, but then they stepped it up right when they needed to step it up. And I felt like they were just going through a period where you had a lot of injuries at the same time too, Mike. You know what I mean? You got guys out here just when I coached around second week of um, April, too, and then David Price is in and out the IRL. So this has been something that, you know, pretty much to me, the Dodgers just had to get healthy. And they're getting healthier by the day when you think about it. Gavin Lux was even down for the first half a month of the season as well, too. And since he stepped in into that position on the shortstop position, there's nothing the, the Dodgers beat ha- didn't change. You know what I mean, Mike? So that's why I feel like everything will be A-OK. They might not be a team that wins 112 games this year, but they still got the possibility of winning 100. How about that, Mike? Let me ask you, where does where does Corey Seager fit when they come when he comes back? Because his defense wasn't very good. I don't know what's going on with the guy. All right. Um, ooh, Seager or Lux? Yeah, Seager. Um, you know his what? His defense I wasn't that great. That... And, and like you said, Gavin Lux has been the real deal. Right. And Gavin Lux, you know what? First night with Gavin, Gavin had two very – very bad errors. You know what I mean? He was trying to do a little bit too much. But then the next night, he hits a grand slam, and then he makes a great play as well, too. So you see the improvement. But I wouldn't think there would be any controversy here with Seager. I would think that quite possibly you're getting Seager prepared to be moved to first base, probably. You know what I mean? Or you might move him over to third base next season if you know if you don't keep Turner around. But Turner is due to be around for the next two seasons at least. So I would say that Corey Seager will probably be making a position change uh, fairly soon, but I, I agree with you, Mike. He's not he, he's not the same defensive shortstop he was when, say, you know, pretty much when he was a younger player and things of that nature. You know, he had to deal with, insane, with a Tommy John issue as well. Too. So, so I think that the days of him being a sh- are about to become and not right now but I think when you look at it in the future that he can become your first baseman for you know because Corey looks like a first baseman to be honest with you I I never thought he was a true looking shortstop but he has all the tools that shortstop has to be a good player but his size calls for him to be like a first baseman some type of outfielder or something like that yeah, absolutely. Make, making a, a lot of very valid points. Uh, moving on from the Dodgers for a quick minute here, uh, the Padres. The, if the Dodgers are the number one power ranking type of team in the NL, uh, then the Padres are 1A because they are now finally starting to hit their stride. They're winning at home. They're winning on the road. They have the biggest plus run differential in the National League. And the biggest run differential in all of the majors, and that's that's actually including the fact that Tatis, their superstar, has missed quite a few games so far this year. Very impressive team. They've got a good balance. I'm thinking that this is going to be a fantastic race. I'm not trying to dismiss the Giants, but 
let's be honest. They're overachieving, and they've been playing out of their heads. Quick thoughts on the Padres. Padres are playing momentum ball right now. It's excitement in San Diego. They've been excited about this team since they got to since they beat up on the, you know, the heralded Cardinals of all teams that should have been a team that all of us thought were going to be playing the Dodgers in the next round and get the Dodgers fixed. You know what I mean? Because the Cardinals were a team that were that got in the hard way last year. They had a tough division race with the Brewers and the Cubs. And then they go to San Diego and you get this idea, oh, well, you know, San Diego's good. And, you know, maybe not this year. You know what I mean? Tatis might – he'll be like Puig. He'll, he'll have struggles in the playoffs as well too. No, Tatis became an even bigger star in that series. And the Padres grew this confidence in them that, you know what, we're opposite from the Dodgers. You know, it's almost like the Brooklyn Dodgers mentality. You know, we're a little – we got a little bit of an edge over here. You know what I mean? You know, when the Dodgers used to think about the Yankees, like, well, you know, the Yankees are classy. They got the, the top of the line of uh, trains and flights and things of that nature. And, you know, oh, Brooklyn is Brooklyn. You know what I mean? And, and that's how San Diego started to get that spirit. You feel what I'm saying, Mike? And that's why they're so entertaining. Everybody loves to watch them. Everybody loves everything about them because they play baseball different from the rest of the world. You know what I mean? They really oh, yeah, play baseball much different from every. You know, what I mean, everybody else is very, you know, very uniformed and with the good old boys club and all that stuff. But at the end, end of the day, end of the day, play the style that would entertain a Dominican Republic profession. And right now, but those games have. have 50,000 people, and they are standing room only every time these guys play because the intensity of the game, and they're playing as if they're playing for a crowd like that. And that's why the Padres are something brand new that the MLB has been waiting for for the last 25 years. The MLB has needed a, a spicy team. That's what I like to call the, uh, the uh, Padres. And Fernando Tatis leading the show and having the mentality that I'm going to do what I want. That where people really latch on to the Padres, Mike, in my Yeah, you make some fantastic points. You know, Tatis to me is, I think, what the world was thinking Bryce Harper was going to be, right? This guy that was going to bring fun back to baseball, that was going to have some razzle-dazzle, brash, that was going to, you know, single-handedly get rid of all these unwritten rules in baseball. Bryce <laughs> didn't he, – he, he wasn't the savior. Uh, maybe that was a lot of pressure put on him. Um, and then a lot of people got mad about the uh, long and lengthy free agency decision period and how much money he got and is he worth it, is he not worth it. And then the worst thing that could have ever happened to him happened, which is once he leaves – the team he was on wins the World Series. Tatis, on the other hand, came up as a prospect, but not as a savior for the league. Maybe a savior for the Padres. But this guy has really, really relished, embraced anything and every label that the world of baseball could possibly throw at him. And he succeeded with each and every step so far, man. This young man is very, very impressive to me. 
Now, Pop. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, there's yes. not enough superlatives to describe him, you know. Um, I mean, with Bellinger up north and Tatis down south, this is going to be a great rivalry for years to come. I mean, it's I, if these guys stay healthy, that's always the caveat, right? If they stay healthy, that um, this is going to be a lot of fun for a long time. And I think um, Farhan up north with the Giants is probably looking to, you know, do something similar. You know, he's now got two teams with great cores, great supporting cast, and um, the Giants are big time lacking any star power, anybody that could carry their offense for a week when everybody else is slumping, that type of person. They've gotten really good pitching so far, though. But you mentioned the Cubs a moment ago, Pop. I don't know if you guys out there have looked at the standings in the last couple of days. The Cubs are leading the NL Central. They've win- they're winners of eight out of their last ten Winners of four in a row, and they're in first place. This was a team pop mm-hmm. that I had before the season uh, as probably a fourth place in the division, um, only beating out the Pirates. Quick thoughts before we get to the commercial and, break here, Pop. And you know what? I'm really not surprised by the Cubs, as we talked about before. It can be a 50-50 split on the Cubs. And I was with you too, Mike. I had them going under, and it looks like they're going to be going over this year when it comes to the win total as well. But I'm waiting for the Cardinals to get hot. I really am. And I think that will be the uh, be the caveat of the division. And then, you know, Milwaukee's still playing really good baseball. They got good pitching going on in Milwaukee right now as well, too. So I still think it's a three-headed monster and everything like that. And Cincinnati has no hope, seriously. When they got beat the other night day by uh, the San Francisco I gave up on those guys. I'm done with them <laughs> for the rest of the year. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because they started off uh, the season playing out of their asses, <laughs> if I could say that, in terms of uh, their hitting. But, man, have they leveled off since then. And, yeah, right. it doesn't look very promising for the Cincinnati Reds. Pop, we're going to take a commercial break. We're actually going to stick with the city of Cincinnati and our following guest. We've got the Mad Backer himself. He'll be joining us right after this commercial break. We'll talk a little bit of NFL, and then we'll get back to baseball after the commercial break. And we're going to get the Mad Backer himself, his thoughts on the better defensive teams in the NFL because of their draft abilities as well as the quarterbacks that they're going to have to go up against. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back with the legendary Pop DiBiase, Mike Abadir, co-hosting for today's episode. We'll be right back.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. You know, Pop, uh, before we bring on our next guest... There's actually a pretty convenient transition uh, between the topic we were just talking about and our next guest. Uh, of course, I'm talking about uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. with the San Diego Padres. Our next guest coming up is the Madbacker, Adrian Ross, former Cincinnati Bengals linebacker. And he was in town here in L.A. Uh, a few weeks back, and he uh, visited down in San Diego and I wouldn't classify the Mad Backer as a baseball diehard, but, you know, he's a fan and he's aware of what's going on. But he was like, hey, man, what is up with this Tatis guy? So before we talk a little about football, Big A, you're on with Mike and Pop. What's up, brother? What's up, fellas? How you guys doing? Fantastic, man. Glad to have you on with us. And I was just telling Pop about, you remember when you were hitting me up about Tatis? This guy, I think, is one of those guys that kind of is a crossover guy where players from other sports, from the NFL, from uh, NBA, NHL, soccer, whatever, want to watch this guy, Tatis Jr. Agreed. Well stated. Yeah, well stated. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I mean, uh, what what are your observations just as an athlete? 
Well, the first thing I loved is just like just 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 the entertainment. You know, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of fans. You know, we come from especially like an old traditional sport like baseball. They come with the old school and they like things to stay the same. But you know, when I go and especially the the ticket prices that you're having to pay to get to these events, I like to see guys putting on a show. You know, and he definitely has the showmanship. Uh, you know, I mean, like he had me, he had me tuning in in the gas lamp watching, and <laughs> I mean, like I would have thought that was the World Series. You know, and it just it just made the game just like so more exciting. You know, with seeing what he was going to do when he runs around the base, and then and then at the same time, you know, being able to uh, see the pitchers go at it against him. You know, like I you know I saw some other games where they're you know where he's swinging and missing. You know, and like that's just the game right there. So he's 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 definitely great for not only baseball but sports itself. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about that. I mean, Pop, uh, Pop is a big Dodger fan, obviously, and he watches a ton of baseball. He's a backer of the Dodger blue. And one of the things that I've observed, Pop, is that Tatis is one of those guys that is must watch, not in a similar game. Like, he doesn't have the same game. But to me, when I was growing up, there were two people that were must-watch. And I wasn't even, like, necessarily an Oakland A's fan. And that was Jose Canseco because of his power and Ricky Henderson because he could do everything. I, I would put Tatis in that class, even though he hasn't been around that long. And a thing about Tatis, you talked about crossover. They don't give baseball players Gatorade commercials. Mike Trout's been the best player in baseball in the last five years. They haven't called him for a Gatorade commercial yet. I think I, – I, I can't even remember how they put Mike Trout in. I think it was a MasterCard ad or something like that. And it was pretty It was pretty cheesy because he's not a great pitch man. But Tatis, he had like a music video type situation. It was like, dang, man, is this guy hanging with Bad Bunny or somebody like that? This dude is cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And – that's the right. difference between him and everybody else in the MLB. And as we said before Adrian came on the show, he entertains like he's playing in the Dominican Pro League or in a Cuban League somewhere because that's how they watch the game. They, they have to be entertained. You got people throwing beer on the field, things like that. And he plays like it might be his last game ever. And that's where his spirit is just just infectious and I think that's why even Adrian who's watching the game in gas lamp just chilling drinking and he's and he's into it as well too because when Tatis comes on it's all eyes on him and this guy he delivers you have to deliver that's the whole thing and in baseball it's so tough to deliver time and time again and Tatis does that come on you saw what he did to Bauer <laughs> so it's 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 incredible what you see with Fernando Tatis Jr. and there's more coming like him. You know what I mean? And that's what makes the game feel like they can get back to the level that they really want to. You know what I mean? Where they can become an entertaining game and really become a mainstream. It's still a mainstream sport because it's a traditional sport, just like horse racing and boxing. But it is starting to get further and further down the totem pole. To other sports and other, you know, attention-seeking situations involving sports. So Tatis is the perfect pitch man for the MLB for the next five to ten years. Perfect segue because who better than the Madbacker to address who will be the face of the NFL out of this draft? Is there anybody, whether it be quarterback or defensive end or flashy wide receiver? 
Is there anybody from this 2021 NFL draft that you could kind of see being the face guy of the NFL, the guy that's the pitch man, the guy that everybody wants to see? It's interesting to me because I think for a minute they tried, you know, this guy or that guy, you know, OBJ for a little bit. You know, he was going to be that kind of guy that you want in his commercials, uh, but that didn't last very long. Who who resonates with you, Adrian? I mean, you know, it's kind of it's kind of threefold, <laughs> you know, because you know how the league goes; they want it to be a quarterback all the time. So you're always getting the quarterbacks, you know, because they want it to, and not just you know like basketball or somewhere it's the best player. So it's kind of tough, you know. We know poster boy Patrick on Mahomes, but like you said, coming out the draft, you know. They're going to go first off with uh, Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, I think where he's going to fade off is he's in Jacksonville. You know, it's not a big market team. And, you know, they're not going to really do that well. And then he has a coach that outshines him. But, uh, you know, I think talent-wise, you know, uh, with Kyle Pitts probably being that best talent, um, you know, I would say I say Najee Harris, you know, because he's going to that team that traditionally wants to run the ball. They've gotten away from that because as much as they don't want to talk about it, they didn't want to bring Le'Veon Bell back. You know, so now they're getting their they're getting their horse running back who can also catch the ball. And I think the things that he's going to be doing, um, it's going to be interesting in terms of what you say. Is he going to be a face? Um, I, I don't really, you know, I, I don't really know. I can't really <laughs> say that say that he will. Um, so. With that going, I'd, I'll go with uh, the Niners quarterback. Um, with um, can't even think of his name right now. But uh, <laughs> Trey Lance quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Trey so Lance. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the other thing with it. You know, it's like we haven't got to see too much of him, but he's on a team where we know of the coach, but he can outshine. You know what I mean? Like Shanahan's not a because his dad. They get to say his name, and we know his name, but it's not like saying Urban Meyer, you know. And it's like, you know, he's not going to have to compete against that. And then he has a team that's had a defense and so on and so forth, and they were almost right there. So that's, that's what I'd say. Hey, I know Pop is ready to jump in before he does. You mentioned Urban Meyer. You mentioned the star power. For our listeners that don't know, give us a little backdrop as to uh, when your – relationship and experience with Urban Meyer started and do you guys still have a relationship? Uh, is there any communication? Uh, maybe you could kind of fill us in. Yeah. Um, Urban was my uh, wide receiver coach, Colorado State uh, for two years when I first got there. Uh, he was the coach that would come come and look for you in the offseason, make sure you were working out. <laughs> so he'd be trying to hunt me down because I was a track guy. And, uh, you know, we love Urban. Urban's, Urban's the guy that brought in Joey Porter. You know, Joey Porter out of Bakersfield. Urban had him as a wide receiver, uh, which, you know, Joey would have been your Aaron Hernandez, you know, the football player, <laughs> not the off-field guy. But, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> Herb was that guy. You know, I, I just know him from that. Then when I was at the Bengals, he was at Bowling Green. You know, and he, he went to Utah. I was going to those games, um, seeing him in Utah when he played Colorado State. So I've been keeping up with him. Uh, went back to Ohio State a few years ago. 
Um, so, you know, I know Herb uh, pretty well. It's going to be very interesting for me to see how he crosses over with the mentality that he coaches with and how he coaches talking to grown men. Well, if he wants uh, his defense to get back into uh, how the defense performed four years ago, they may want to give the mad backer a call, bring him in to uh, work with the linebacking core. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, like I have stuff that people, these, all these, all 32 teams don't even know about. There's a few teams. I think the Rams got it right. So LA, you know, and like you see, they have a top, they have a top 10 defense, but they have that boy up front too, you know, <laughs> but there's some other things that you can do and some techniques that need to be used that, that teams aren't using. So you're exactly right, Mike. They need to holler at your boy. <laughs> so pop, I know you were, you were going to jump in here. So I'm going to step aside. I'd asked a, a series of a bunch of questions. I know we've got a lot that we could pepper Adrian with, what, what are your thoughts uh, about anything? Take us any direction, Pop. Well, you know, what Adrian just said about Urban Meyer is so true because Urban, it's not, it, he, it's not even that he's trying to be the star, but Urban is such a, you know, powerful figure. He's, he's, a, he's a real CEO of teams. And I think that the Jaguars, that's why they, they went all the way out their way. They've been trying, they've been recruiting Urban for probably the last decade, even when he was in Gainesville coaching the Gators. You know, they they wanted him, they want a coach like that to where the coach doesn't have to rely on what the GM's talking about. He can go in there and tell the GM, this is what I want, this is what I want here, and this is what I want here. This is why Tim Tebow got a job right now. So, <laughs> you know, and Tim, and Tim, I think, I know a lot of people will get mad at me when I say this, but Tim's one of the guys I always feel like should never been out of the NFL in the first place. But, you know, the politics of the game and what it's all about. But I know that he's a great locker room guy. And if he's able to make the roster this year, they'll have a boost in wins just because they got a guy like that in the locker room. You know what I mean? That never quits. And I think that he's going to be a great mentor to Trevor Lawrence as well, too. And to piggyback off uh, uh, what Adrian was saying about the defensive side and helping them out, Adrian would love to have Miles Jack, who was an absolute monster at UCLA. And if he would have stuck around long enough, he could have went down as the greatest UCLA football player ever because that's how good he was. You know, and – I feel like Miles Jack can be the difference in that defense this year if he's to have a career year this year as well, too. And having Urban Meyer as your coach, I think that can put them over the top as well, too. You know what I mean? But not to where we're going to the playoffs this year, but we're building something here. But we can all be honest here. The AFC South is a little bit of an open division right now as well, too. You know, do you really trust the Titans as much as you trusted them last year going coming into this year because they got a brand-new coach? Then, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Their, their offense coordinator left. They still got the same coach. Sorry about that. Sorry. They still got Vrabel there as the coach. He hasn't been called to uh, New England yet, so he's still there. And then um, you have Indianapolis who kind of took two steps back by going to get a quarterback that was literally thrown away by Philadelphia. So... I think that, you know, Jacksonville can be a spoiler. Let's, let's just use that word, Mike and Adrian, is that they can be a spoiler this year. And I, that's think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. And here's the thing about uh, Urban Meyer that I think uh, sometimes gets underlooked because everybody thinks of him as an offensive mind. And when Adrian takes us back to even his uh, skill set and experience with working with wide receivers and identifying 
athletes uh, early on. Uh, you know, he's got a ton of upside in the NFL on the offensive side of things. But Urban's Florida teams always had a really good defense. And they produced yes. a ton of NFL guys on defense. Right. I think that part is overlooked. And I don't know if, if he's necessarily considered a defensive wizard, but he's smart enough to put the right people in place to get a defense right. to perform really well. Yeah. I mean, you have Ohio State, right? So you got Bosa, Bosa, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you have Hubbard, who's at Cincinnati. You have uh, the DN that, uh, that I was screaming about for years that said Washington. I mean, like how many years in a row is there just the defensive end coming out? You know, your safeties, your corners. So like you said, Mike, he's had defenses. Yeah, no doubt. You know? By the way, speaking of Washington, let's talk about Washington, the football team, for a second here before we go to commercial break. Looks like there's some, um, there's some news about the Washington football team. I never thought that, you know, Dan Snyder would be the type that would allow another owner to be a part of it or to sell. But there's some rumors going on, Adrian. What what have you heard in terms of the Washington football team ownership situation? Yeah, the word is that uh, Jay-Z is looking to um, get a stake in the Washington football team. And uh, that's a rumor out there, kind of sort of what he had like uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you know, I think he had a small minority ownership piece. I think it was like 250,000. 250, uh, you know, I wonder what uh, what this stake would be. And then uh, in order for him to get that stake, he had to uh, give up um, what they said was, you know, being the, well, in order to be, the, in order to have the agency, he had to give up being, being a minority owner. So I wonder how is that being talked about and what that looks like with him actually having a football agency. Interesting thoughts. Uh, I want to ask you if Jay-Z is good for the NFL. we got to take a commercial break. Big A, do you have about three, four minutes that you could spend with us after the commercial? Definitely. All right. We'll take a final time out here. We'll be back with Pop, Adrian, and myself right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the final segment. Pop, the Mad Backer, myself hanging out here, talking a little bit of NFL talking about the Washington football team. We're talking about Jay-Z, his interest in an NFL team. Adrian, you were talking about the fact that he will have to, you know, put some of his entities to rest uh, if this were to uh, fly, so to speak. Just in general, is is Jay-Z a good fit for the NFL? Why Jay-Z? And generally speaking, you know, do you see outside of Magic Johnson, who really is a businessman, he's, you know, I don't even look at him as a former NBA guy as much as I look at him as a businessman. Can any businessman from any walk of life, music or whatnot, come in and do a good job with an NFL team? I mean, is that, is it that easy? What are your thoughts about that? And keep in mind, Jay-Z didn't always have this, like, wonderful, you know, uh, Beyonce's my wife type, uh, family guy type um, aura or reputation with the media. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the whole part of my answer where I'll say I personally don't like it, not, not because I don't like him and the business um, you know, I like him, love what he's done in his business, but even, even with the agency, you know, for me, I feel that there's a lot of stuff missing from what someone of his caliber and what he's done in business. I'm not seeing any of the the players that they signed do, i.e. Dez Bryant, you know, okay, Dez wouldn't sign with him. And what did you do? Like he actually did, you know, like he went backwards. You know, and um, so I'm like, what kind of advice is he giving? But when it comes down to ownership, you know, that, that's another part of it. But, you know, for me, it's not on him. It's on the NFL where, you know, where they get these guys, the Little Waynes, um, the Jay-Zs, where they, they go and they tell us about their past, right? They tell us about how they used to sell this drug or they were in jail for this. But then it's fine moving forward for them to do business with them. But yet they can't do business with, with, with players or these are young men coming out of college. And like with Cam Newton, they want to go back to, oh, you stole a computer when you were a freshman at Florida. So we wonder if the NFL can bring you in. <laughs> but over here on the other side, oh, yeah, we can have Jay-Z be a part owner. That's what, that's what doesn't sit right with me. Hypocrisy at its finest, isn't it? Unbelievable. That's a very, very, very good point when it comes to two different entry points, right? One is the entry point into the NFL as a player. One is the entry point into the NFL as an owner. And no surprise, 
one of them comes with a lot of money, brings a lot of money to the table already. The other one is hoping to get it. So interesting stuff there. Hey, before we let you go, Adrian, uh, just a quick take. Who's the best of the young quarterbacks from 2021 draft? Is there going to be one that's going to be a pro bowler? Uh, you know, statistically speaking, draft classes full of quarterbacks fail as a whole. Um, you'd be lucky right. to get one that comes out of it. You know, yeah, there was like the 4 one with like Roethlisberger, a couple other guys that uh, panned out, but doesn't always work. Uh, Eli Manning, et cetera. It doesn't always work out that way. Usually it does not. Is there anybody from this draft class that you think is going to be a star in this league? And then on the other side of the ball, which teams mm-hmm. improved their defenses, shored up their defense, and look like a force going into 2021 because of their draft class? Um, well, I'd say the quarterback that I have is going to be Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. I think he went to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, nice. You know, okay. He's not Outside getting to the come box in. a little bit. Yeah, and he's not getting to come in, you know, kind of like a Dak Prescott, where he, he, he's coming in without all the hype, and he's able to sit there with the talent that he has and the conference that he came from. He already, he already has experience playing against these big, big, big top guys, and then he's not going to have the pressure of performing. You know, now, now the starting quarterback's going to have that pressure. Um, on the defensive side, I already liked what the uh, Washington football team was doing, and um, – I think I think they ended up getting uh, another DB and a backer. Um, you know, I think Ron Rivera has uh, Chicago Bears reinvented. You know, of them, of them uh, early or the late two thousands, I should say, with Erlacher and Briggs in the middle, and they have those ends. Um, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo is another one. They were already they were already pretty pretty sound, but they they showed up. I think they got another linebacker as well. Um, to go with that defense. So I got, you know, I'm going with the Bills and the Redskins. <laughs> oh, the Good Washington football there, team. Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, uh, you know, you, you have a three-year grace period on that in my book. So uh, it's, it's including the San Diego Chargers, right? Right. <laughs> right. Hot man, that was good stuff from the Mad Backer. We have to delve in so deep with so many of these issues. Got to bring you back, Adrian. All right. Perfect. Yes, sir. Let me know. I'm down. Appreciate it. Just tell our listeners real quick how they could follow you on social media. Our social media, Mad Backer with two Ds, M-A-D-D-B-A-C-K-E-R, Twitter, and Adrian Ross on Facebook. Adrian Ross and Mad Backer on all platforms. He's a good follow, guys. Always thought-provoking. He is the mad backer. Adrian, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you coming on with us, spending a few minutes with us. No problem. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, man. The mad backer himself, Adrian Ross, always delivering, always bringing a good perspective. And uh, he made a lot of good points, Pop. Um, You know, it is interesting to me, the point that he made, I want to spend a moment on this, which is they scrutinize these guys getting into the league. You know, they have scouts that all they do is they scout their backgrounds. Right. But yet, somebody's got some dough 
They don't care. They don't care if Jay-Z used to be a drug dealer or this or that. It's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? I had to agree with that, that, you know, they want to get these players for the smallest things, period, point blank. You know what I mean? Guy goes to school. He has an issue with at the school. Altercation occurs. He has to leave the school. Blase, blase, blase. You know, guy might be a guy that comes in there and he likes to smoke a little bit of uh, weed. So he is pretty much, you know, he gets ridiculed for that. They send him to another school. He gets it together. Then the NFL says, okay, we'll pick him in the uh, the uh, the uh, secondary draft, uh, a supplemental draft. I'm so sorry, but we'll pick him in a supplemental dra- draft, i.e., Josh Gordon. So. You know, I just really feel like they're 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 making it real hard on these young men if they make one little mistake, but they're willing to let you know people that are uh, are that have glorified things that are devastating to communities into their their little boys' club just because they have the check to get into their little boys' club as well too, and that's why I feel like you know the NFL, you know, when they went to the corporation type mentality, I knew that this wasn't a good idea. You know, where you have this own, you have this face and then you have several other owners in an ownership group. You miss the days of your old boss, Al Davis. You miss the days of when um, it, when you had, um, well, you know, Jerry Jones is kind of like that, but he's still a corporate guy as well, too, because his son's right there with him. But you know what I mean, though, when you have the and Ralph Wilson, for instance, the old Buffalo owner as well, too. McNair, who used to own the, uh, the who passed away, who owned the Texans. Um, and also, uh, there's just pretty much, uh, you know, and also the owner of the um, Broncos. You miss those type of owners because they had a better way of reaching the community and they were seen as legends. You know what I mean? When they passed on and everything of that nature. You're not going to see Daniel Snyder as a legend when he passes on. You know what I mean? And you're not going to see the owner of whoever's owning the Panthers or somebody like that, even though Jerry Richardson is a, a great figure as well, too. And he did just a little something. And, you know, now they try to make sure Jerry Richardson never existed, even though Jerry Richardson is a powerful fixture of the NFL over the last 25 years. You know what I mean? So pretty much, you know, we have a new culture now that people want to cancel folks. And, you know, pretty much we can't just make a mistake. And that's why, you know, a lot of things are going the way that they're going right now, Mike. Wow, that was a very, very loaded analysis, loaded with lots of good content there. Wish we could address it all. But overall, man, I definitely agree with you on all these points. Speaking of canceling, let's spend a quick moment on the Belmont Stakes. What do you think of Naira's decision to cancel Bob Baffert. I think it was. It, I think it was in. in um, I think it was the right thing to do. You know, I know Baffert. We talked about it on my show too, Mike. It was a situation where it was a little bit of nothing. You know what I mean? But it was a little. It was a big deal to the people in Kentucky. Now it's not a big deal to our people in LA, CHRB, because they've dealt with this before and they know that this won't be something that gave the horse that great of an advantage in their opinion. But, you know, Kentucky, with so much success that Baffert has had there, they want to just ridicule the whole situation as if it's always been like this. And you know what? If you're going to go get Baffert, you got to go get everybody else as well, too. And that's why why I know a lot of us, a lot of people who are defending Baffert are pretty much saying the same thing. But my thing is, with Ant, New York wants to have a clean race. They don't want the, They don't want the headache. 
That's the whole thing. They know it's going to be a big media presence, and it's going to take away from the race, just like it did with the Preakness. The Preakness wound up being the Bob, ba- the Bob Baffert. Is this horse going to win the race? And the, will we see if the horse will test clean afterwards? You know what I mean? And we're still waiting on the call of what's going to happen to the horse at Kentucky. You know, and that was a very distracting point that took away from very good horses that were in that race. I think when they get to the Belmont, they want to make it all about the Belmont. The you being in New York, in Long Island, New York, on a Saturday afternoon with 90, well, I, well, I don't know the restrictions of it, but usually 90,000 people there, standing room only, and they don't care if it's a triple crown winner or whatever. They want to see a great race, and I think that there's going to be a great race that occurs when we get to the Belmont Stakes. And I think if I was in charge of NYRA, I would have did the same exact thing just to avoid the mass media, uh, the mass media coming upon the racetrack with unnecessary questions. You know what I mean? And giving the sport even more black eyes and sending it to even darker place. Horse racing needs nothing but positivity at this point right now. And we don't need to glorify people that are not doing things the right way. Yeah, man, I think, I think you kind of nailed it because my first instinct tells me, my gut tells me, you know what? The Deion Sanders adage, right? Any publicity is good publicity. Any attention is good attention. You know, that was very thought provoking when Dion coined that. And, you know, I've, I've kind of thought about it ever since then. I'm like, you know, he's kind of right. If everybody's talking about the Belmont, then that's a good thing. If everybody's talking about Spygate and the NFL, that's a good thing, right? Even though it's something bad that we're talking about. But I think you kind of nailed it, which is horse racing has a history of ugliness when it comes to medication and horses. And I think... They said, we're drawing the line. Enough is enough. We cannot in good conscience continue with this because we're just going to get a bigger and bigger black eye. Pop, great analysis today, man. Appreciate having you on. You're the one and only Pop DiBiase. Thanks, my man, for joining us today and filling Gino's seat perfectly. Oh, man, you know, Gino got a big seat over here, but I'm a big man, too. But shout out to my <laughs> man, Gino Bacola, man. I, Gino B, that's my guy right there, man, all the way back from the TVG days and everything. There and you as go, I told man. you before, Mike, we share, we share a very close friend, our friend Donald. I want to send a shout out to him as well, too, if he's listening today. But that's a very close friend of both of ours as well, too. And it's funny because Donald was trying to get me with Gino. Well, hey, we got to We got to We got to wrap here, Pop. Save that yeah. story for next time. I hate right. to cut you off, but that's all the time we have this week. Gotcha. Stay with us, everyone, for next week's show. Enjoy your sports weekend. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.